morning, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Do you know, I used to go to, um, on holiday sometimes, to Tenerife with Simon a few years ago, and we'd go to a church on the Sunday morning, and they'd always do this thing where they said, so where is everyone from? Who's come the furthest? And people would stand up and say, oh, I'm from Germany, I'm from, and we'd have lots of things like that. I didn't think we'd do that today, because, what, Sutton might be the furthest. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, and everyone used to cheer and clap. But I thought what I might do is ask you what the longest journey you went on over Christmas and New Year was. Okay? So how far did you travel? You don't have to give me miles, you know, while it was so and so miles. How long did it take? Where did you go? Just down the road? Or did you go to the coast? Or did you go to a different country? Have a quick chat. How, what was the furthest you travelled over the Christmas holiday? Talk to the people next to you. I'll ask you in a minute. Okay, what was the furthest you travelled over the Christmas holiday? Um, let's start here. Where did you go, Tegan? You went to your aunties. Did it take you a long time to get there? You went three miles. Whoa, good journey. Did you, was it a walk or a cycle or a car? Car. Excellent. Can anyone do an advance on three miles? Anyone go anywhere else? There's a hand. No? There's a hand but no body. That's a bit strange. Where did you go? Oh. Did you go to, to the coast? I'm guessing, sort of. Was there sea? Was it a long journey? Um, did it take two days? Okay, one day. Half a day. Okay, I'm guessing it was Cornwall. Yes, that would take what? Six hours? Six hours, that's how many miles? More than three. 300. Oh, gosh, that's quite a more. Okay, anyone else travel anywhere over? Oh, yes? You might trump it. Should we leave you till later, Rowan? Rowan's later. Okay. Oh, no. no. Oh, Emma? Birmingham? Long journey? Car? You didn't walk? Less than two hours in the car. Anyone else? No. No one? Oh, yes. Your sister's gone to Bali. Okay, so how far is that? Did she walk? Cycle. She went on a plane. How, how long's the plane flight? So she went to Australia, then she went eight hours. Okay, that's quite a long way. That's quite a long journey. Can anyone trump that? Rowan? Where, where, where? South Africa. So that's... Thousands of miles. Okay. Plane? Three planes. That's quite... Three planes. All right. No need to show off now. Okay, that's quite a long journey. John, did you have one? 
You went to Ely? Yes. Did you cycle? Drove. Oh. Oh, well, that's all right. Okay. I thought you might say it was a no. Any any walking? No one's walked. No one walked over Christmas. Why would you do that? Well, when you've got all that food to eat, why would you walk? Journeys are interesting, aren't they? Did anyone have um, an argument on any of their journeys? A discussion? Oh, oh, there was an argument. Okay. A discussion? A conversation? Okay. Did anyone read a book? Watch a film? Listen to music? Watch, listen to music? We do a lot of things on journeys. We can have short journeys or long journeys. Sometimes we walk, clearly no one here. Sometimes we drive, cycle, go on a plane. I want to tell you about quite a long journey that took place quite a long time ago. And I don't think there was any TV or radio listening or anything like that. But here we go. Far away, in the east, three clever men saw the very same star. The star that God had put in the sky when Jesus was born, they knew it was a sign a baby king had been born. They had been waiting for this star, and they knew it would come. He's here, they shouted. He's here. At dawn, they packed up their camels and wrapped their gifts for the baby. They bought the most precious treasures of all, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Special, sparkly, lovely-smelling, gleaming things just right for a king. The three wise men set off on their journey. There's some little pictures there. They rode on their camels across endless deserts, up steep, steep mountains, down into deep, deep valleys through raging rivers, over grassy plains. If there had been an aeroplane, they could have just flown over all these, had to go through them all. Night and day, day and night, for hours, they turned, that turned into days, that turned into weeks, that turned into months and months, until at last they reached Jerusalem. Jerusalem was by far the most important city for miles around, and as anyone can tell you, that's where the palaces are, and that's where the kings are born. They went to see King Herod. Surely he'd know where this baby was, but he didn't. In fact, he didn't sound very pleased that they'd come to see a new king. In fact, it made him very cross. He didn't want anyone to be king except him. But he found out from his advisors that there was to be a baby born in Bethlehem. And so they set off again, following the star that was moving. They went out of the big city along the road, into the little town of Bethlehem. They followed the star through the streets of Bethlehem, out of the nice part of town, through the not-so-nice part of town, into the really not-nice-at-all part of town, down a little dirt track until it stopped right over a little house. But wait, it wasn't a palace, and there weren't any guards or servants or flags or red carpets or trumpets or anything. Did they get it wrong? Or was this what God meant? Sure enough, there in the house, there sitting on his mother's knee, they found him, the baby king, 
the three men knelt before the king. They took off their rich royal turbans and gleaming golden crowns. They bowed their noble heads to the ground and they gave him their sparkling treasures. The journey that had begun, not only months ago, but centuries ago, had led these wise men here to a little house, a little house and a little child, to the king that God had promised all those years ago. However far our journeys, none of them were like that. Today we think about the three wise men, their journey towards Jesus and how they bowed and worshipped him. So let's pray together as we begin our time. I'm going to read from um, the book of Matthew, near the beginning, Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to start from verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, They returned to their country by another route. My mother's mother, my grandma, lived in Yorkshire and she lived in an old house. And she had lots of really lovely old wooden items. She had lots of clocks and lots of weather vanes and things like that. And when she died quite a number of years ago, my mum said to me, well, Kate, I'm sure Grandma would have liked you to have one of the items that she owned in her house. So take a look and see what you want. And I was a bit like, well, I don't really want to take anything. But she persuaded me in the end. And the thing I chose was the weather vane which my grandma used to have, because I remember my grandma coming down and looking at the weather vane and knocking on the glass and turning the little dial and 
going, mm, yes, okay, and then moving on. I thought, well, it's a memory of my grandma, what I remember of her. And so I got the weather vane, and when we moved here, I put it up downstairs by my door. And every morning as I go out, I look at it, and I turn the dial, and I give it a knock on the glass, and go, mm, right, okay, and then I walk out. What I realised, though, the other day when I did this, is that actually I don't really know a lot about this weather vane. I knock on the glass and the dial moves, normally in the wrong direction. I think, why is it telling me it's going to be sunny and warm when we're in January, you know? But actually I don't know anything about it. I really like it. It's really special to me. It's part of our home. It's part of our life. I'm sure one day maybe James or Joshua will knock on the glass and go, hmm, yeah, and walk out the door. Who knows? You know, but I really don't know much. I don't know how it works. I've probably put it in the wrong place. I probably do the wrong thing. I don't really know what it's supposed to do except tell me how the weather's going to change, apparently. And I don't even know where it originally came from. I don't know whether it was my grandma's or she might have got it from, you know, a nearly new sale or something. I'm not really sure. All of this is a mystery to which I have guessed the answers over the years and possibly got them wrong. But actually, I don't really know. I don't know anything about it. And, you know, in a similar way, as we take our once-a-year look at the story of the wise men, the visit of the wise men to Jesus, we realise that actually we don't know very much about these people who came to worship Jesus when he was a small child. They're very familiar to us. They're part of our Christmas story, and they're part of this very famous story of God coming to earth. And we often guess a lot of things about them, but in reality, we don't actually really know very much at all. For instance, we don't really know what they were called. We refer to them as the wise men, the kings, the seers, probably mainly we call them the magi, because that's now the accepted term, which is probably the closest to what they were. But we're not really sure who they were. We don't know, for instance, what they look like. We like to depict them as older men because, I guess, of the wise title which we gave them. We like to depict them as being dressed very nicely, as looking like they had a lot of money. We don't even know how many of them there were, although because of the gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh, we like to think there were at least three to carry three gifts, but we're not sure. We don't know how much they knew about God. Although, because they weren't Jews, we like to think that they didn't know that much, really. They might have had some ideas, some clues, but they wouldn't have been necessarily waiting, as the Jews were, for this Messiah to come. We don't really know too much about these people. We do know they came from the East, but exactly where is anyone's guess? Persia, perhaps, some people say, possibly. More likely, Babylonia though we're not entirely sure. We know that these people were people who studied the stars and the skies, though. That thing we do know. They were probably astronomers or astrologers. The two may well have gone together in those days. They studied the stars. We know this because they saw a star. This was the reason they entered the story in the first place. Though there again, we're not really sure whether it was a star. It could have been a conjunction of planets, 
That happened only once. It could have been a comet. It could have been a nova. We're not really sure. It was most probably referred to as a star more because of the coming of someone special, a star, if you like, rather than that's what it specifically was in the sky. But we do know that they studied the skies because they saw this phenomenon in the sky, which led them on a journey towards their destination. And this, in turn, leads us to another thing we don't know. We don't know how far they travelled. We could guess, if indeed they came from Babylon, we could guess how far they travelled, but we don't know how long their journey took. We don't know whether they stopped along the way. We're not sure what happened. Most probably it took quite a long time. But again, we don't know. Because in this brief account in the book of Matthew, the place where these people are shown in the Bible... There's very little detail about them and about what happened. And so every year, we encounter these people once again, and we ponder why they were there, what they were doing, what their significance is for us today. More often than not, we focus on the gifts which which they bring, because these are solid things which are mentioned in the Bible, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, things we can latch onto and learn from. We think about what they meant about Jesus, what they were pointing towards, why these gifts were bought. But today, we're not going to do that. We're going to think about something which is a little bit more vague. We're going to think about their journey. Something, again, we know very little about. Something that Matthew fails to mention, except for their stop with Herod, where they think that's where they'll find the king. And yet the journey that the Magi took, both to Bethlehem and back, was of great importance. It was a necessity. Without it, they couldn't have got to where they were going, of course. And as with all journeys, it gave them time. It gave them time to ponder, gave them time to discuss, gave them time to muse as wise people do. It probably even gave them time to argue, perhaps. I'm sure there are a few arguments. Where were they going? What were they doing? Why had they set out on this journey in the first place? Being people who looked at the skies, they would have believed that if an amazing event happened on Earth, it was mirrored in the stars and the planets. They believed that one affected the other. So I'm sure that on the journey, they would have been wondering what amazing event could have happened on Earth to cause such an amazing event in the skies. They may even have been wondering what whether what they were doing would change their lives in any way. Of course, they would have had practical problems as well. Each day they would have been able to have to find food to feed themselves, shelter, safety and security as they were travelling around. But these practical struggles and the changes in the landscape as they journeyed on would themselves have brought questions and discussions. Of course, Along the way, there would also probably have been many doubts, maybe some worries, maybe some uncertainties. Have we done the right thing? Is this really something so special to cause us to travel all this way? Are we following the right phenomenon? Doubts are all part of journeying, aren't they? I mean, have you ever picked a route and wondered whether actually it was the right one or chosen a road and become increasingly unsure about whether it was the right one to choose? I remember when Simon and I travelled for five weeks through the Alps as a couple without children. We were very excited when we set off. 
Along the way, we had many a discussion about which road we'd chosen. Is this the right one? Are you sure? Yes, I think, I think the map says that, but I'm not sure. It certainly deepened our relationship of sorts, in a way. Journeys are like that, aren't they? You can find yourselves arguing or discussing things which you never really thought you would normally. Doubts and uncertainties creep in when you're not really sure where you're going. It may be that the Magi doubled back or they could have zigzagged towards Bethlehem. We're not sure. There's nothing to say. They were absolutely certain and headed straight there with no doubts or questions. Again, we don't know. But what we do know is that on this journey, they had the courage to keep going. The courage to keep looking at the sky and seeking out the star that shone the brightest. The journey for them, I'm sure, would have been very significant, especially when they looked back. After all, it led them to see Jesus face to face. It led them to meet God, to bow down and worship God himself. We don't know whether deep down they knew that this journey would lead to God. But ultimately, that's what it did. And ultimately, their part in the story of Jesus coming to earth is very significant. And you know, as we look at this journey, as we think about their journey, the journey of the wise men towards God, the journey of these people we don't really know anything about, we can draw encouragement from it, I think. Because we too are on a journey, if you like. In some strange and amazing way, our journey is a journey towards God, with God travelling with us, if you see what I mean. It's a journey where God promises to be with us every step of the way until we meet him face to face and worship him, as the Magi did. It's a journey of searching and finding and following God. It's our life journey if you like. Some of us, of course, may feel we've been on this journey for a while. We know quite a lot about it, and we're quite comfortable with it. But for some of us, in our journey towards God, we may feel that we're partway through that journey, and we're flagging a little bit. We're feeling a bit tired. We're feeling a bit worn. We're struggling with this journey towards God. Some of us may feel we're right at the start of the journey, Not really sure which way to go. Or maybe we haven't even started. We're just investigating. Some of us might feel we're quite a long way further on, but actually we've stalled a little bit. We've become a bit distracted. Other things seem a little bit better than this journey that we set out on with so much enthusiasm. But whatever it is, we do really need to see this journey as of utmost importance. Like the wise men did as they embarked on there so many years ago, it's a journey in which we will encounter lots of things. We will encounter hardship. We will have doubts. We will probably zigzag all over the place until we reach our destination. But it's a journey that ultimately we need to commit to fully because it's one that will bring the most challenges and changes to our lives and those around. It's a life journey that God offers each one of us to walk with him, to follow him, to search him out, to investigate, 
until we can bow and worship him face to face. And so it needs our full attention. Of course, there will be everyday practicalities, food, shelter, looking after people we love. But in these practicalities, we still need to leave room to ponder, to wonder, to discuss, to even argue as we search our way towards God. It will be a journey with many distractions, as the journey to Bethlehem no doubt was for the wise men. It may be one where we think we know for certain where we are going, only to find that God leads us in a different direction altogether. And therefore it will be a journey where we are called time and time again to look back for the brightest star, to look out for the one who we need to follow, to keep coming back to Jesus. At times, this journey will be pure joy, we'll love it, and it will be great. At other times, it will be extremely difficult, and we'll wonder whether we are indeed going in the right direction. At other times, it will probably seem a little bit dull and tedious. Journeys do, sometimes. But it will be a journey that if we keep going, if we keep looking up, if we keep following, will be totally worth it in the end. In many ways, the journey we take towards God is deeply personal. It's our journey. And yet it is also one that is very communal. We won't all be in the same place on our journey with God as we travel, but we are called by God to travel together as the Magi did, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to protect each other as we journey along the way towards God. Because it's a journey that we find very hard to take on our own, almost impossible. It's a journey that I am here to take with you in Cottenham, and I hope that you want to take with me. Today is an introduction. We're thinking about journeying with God. Over the coming weeks, as we start this new year, we'll be looking at the best ways in which we can travel with God, to God, together. How we can pray in our everyday lives, how we can bring the Bible into all that we do, how we can engage with people around us and encourage each other. Next week, as we said, we'll be committing to each other, We'll be looking at what God has done in our lives, the journey so far, how we have come to this place, and we'll be committing to the next step of our journey. We'll be committing to each other, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, and to protect each other. But we'll also be committing to God, saying again, this is the most important journey of my life. And wherever we are in that journey, we might be saying sorry to God, or we might be thanking him but we'll be coming together to commit again. And then later on, as I said this month, we'll be encouraging each other by bringing things to share. I can say lots of things up here. And you know, most times people leave church and then someone will say in the week, oh, what did you, what did it, was it that Kate said? And, and everyone will go, oh, I, could, I can't for the last me remember what she said on Sunday. But if you hear someone else, your friend sitting next to you in the pew get up and share something about their life, you'll remember it because they're encouraging you. 
And so I want to invite you, if you have something to share on that week, to come and share it, to encourage each other on our journey together. But today we're just starting to think about the journey. And I've got some cards with me, which as I was standing here talking, I suddenly thought, where are... They're in here. I'm just going on a journey to get my cards. Well, I've written a few questions to ponder about a journey with God. You can look at them here for a few moments. We'll have a few moments quiet as you think maybe about where you are in your journey with God, whether you're happy with where you are. Um, But you can look at these to look at the questions and to think about it. But take them with you, and I encourage you over the next week to just think about them. Slip them in your bag or your pocket or whatever you've got where you walk around and just take them out and have a think about your journey. Let me pass them. Do pass them around. Because we can often think when things are difficult or going wrong or we don't feel excited about walking with God that actually we've come to a point that's wrong, we're not in the right place. Have you got enough? I've got some here. Whereas actually if we think about the journeys that we go on, Not every single bit of them is exciting. In fact, most of it is just going through the next bit of the journey. But then there'll be points that really strike us. There'll be things that really change us. And as we look back, we'll see that our whole journey has developed us. So just spend a couple of minutes just maybe reading through the card or thinking before God about your journey and where you're at. There's a poem about the Magi which I was looking at over Christmas. And it says this. Will you study the signs as carefully as you study the prices in the Christmas catalogue? Will you seek out the manger as diligently as you search for the right scarf or this year's toy? Will you examine your heart's pilgrimage and be sure towards what stable it carries its precious gifts? Will you be a wise fool to find and follow the strange star of truth in a sky full of glittering lies? There are things that we put a lot of effort into, but this journey deserves the biggest effort of all, I think. Let's stand and sing our next song together. As we think about our journey with God, we of course remember that the biggest journey ever taken was God's journey here to earth to give up all he had to come to us. Let's stand and sing our next song. 
I always think it's really funny when we're few of us sitting in a big building, tiny voices singing, and we sing things like, he's conquered death, and it sounds so small and insignificant. But Jesus has conquered death. We will never die. We will journey with him until we meet him face to face. And I pray this week that you might know that as you continue on your journey. Whether you're excited about your journey, whether you feel lethargic about your journey, that you would know that Jesus gave his life for you. And one day we will bow before him. May God bless you and keep you and walk with you. Amen.